Hello and welcome to In Search of Tracks podcast. My name is Pete. My name is Bob. Pete, it's been a minute. Did you forget how to do it? I kind of forgot. What did I say? <laughs> you did it. It was perfect. You I usually did? have a little quip. Usually you'll throw a lyric quip sometimes. Yeah, see, here's the problem. If I don't have time mm. to prep, I don't come up with the quip. Because okay. if I do the if I do the quip off the cuff, it it never it turns out rough. well. Um, just look to the worst quips made by me and <sighs> you'll know that I didn't prep it. Uh, well, here we are, Pete, hanging on the corner of 52nd and Broadway. Hmm. Mm. Um, cars pass us by, but none of them mm. seem to go my way. <laughs> um, so, is that a foreshadowing? Maybe, maybe we'll maybe. see. Um, <laughs> Pete, uh, first and foremost, how are you? Um, so pulling the curtain back, guys. There was a little bit of an in search of tracks, uh, tracks pod vacation uh follow us on social media at tracks pod on twitter and instagram yeah and send us emails to where pete tracks pod at gmail.com um so write us reviews five stars reviews five stars only um before we get into today's meet uh in since the time that we last talk um to all of you uh, uh pete i i am buying a new house that's cool um, that's very cool I got a root canal earlier today, so I hope that everyone appreciates that I'm just like uh, grin and bearing it with some leave and a microphone and just doing this damn thing. Damn, that is not very cool. How are you feeling? <sighs> I'm feeling good. It's fine. Okay. It's, it's totally right. fine. I mean, I will say this. Went to a good dentist, uh, uh, paid out of pocket because I got terrible dental coverage. Um, and uh, so it's fine, but... What they do when they do a root canal for those uninitiated is they put in a temporary filling before they put a crown in. Usually they wait a week, two weeks, three weeks, something like that um, to let everything chill out in your tooth zone, basically. <laughs> um, but they put this temporary filling in. It's designed, some of it crumbles off, so it fits to where you bite, blah, 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 all this weird stuff. But guess what happened today, Pete? What happened? Too much of it crumbled off, and then there was this razor-like part of my tooth sticking out and I was like it was driving me crazy and I was like oh this is one it's painful two I know I'm going to slice my tongue up on this thing uh three am I really going to go back to the dentist and see if they can fix it normally I'm going to be the grin and bear it dude you know and I'm like oh, it'll feel better in a couple of days when it either breaks or naturally wears down or whatever I was like, yo, I got a lot going on the next couple of days. Uh, called the dentist. They were like, yeah, just come back. We'll fix you up. Went to the dentist. And, and the woman who answered the phone was like, it'll literally take less than a minute. And I was like, okay. And I sat down <laughs> and Pete, guess what? It literally took less than a minute. Like no, no, no hyperbole. I sat down in the chair. Dentist walks in, goes, oh, okay. I see what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> okay check that out how's that and it was like it was like it went from someone uh like a bar protruding into my rib cage in a like oh this hurts i'm bothered to that immediately be gone and be like oh okay everything's back to normal good oh man that's um, beautiful so yeah so i guess the i thought moral, that story was gonna go the opposite way no i guess the moral of the story is 
don't be stubborn and grin and bear it. Uh, go take care of the thing. People, it, it, it's better that way. Because I, I guarantee I was going to have a raw weekend if I had this jagged shark tooth in my mouth. And uh, uh, now I don't. And now I'm, I'm aces, you know? Um, I was actually talking. I just got my hair cut. And I was talking yeah. to the girl that cuts my hair and about this, just how people have thresholds for pain that you kind of just develop over the years. But if you ever stop and just fix the pain, you're like, oh, I can't believe I was just dealing with that for such a long period of time. Yes. You know? It's funny. I, 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 I agree. Um, high pain threshold uh, is, is, I guess, of some merit. But a high. I mean, pain you got to develop it to a point, you know. Yeah, yeah, thick skin, but a, a high pain threshold developed um, by way of stubborn ignorance is is also um, maybe a sign of lacking intelligence, not of having <laughs> great strength. Um, True. Since we last recorded, though, you went to Thailand. How was that? I went to Thailand. Um, I was supposed to go three years ago. That was when mm. my honeymoon was supposed to be. Mm. But uh, something got to, in the way. Yeah, something got in the way. I was supposed to leave March fifteenth, twenty twenty, and I think we all know what went down around then. So, uh, sat around the house for three years, and finally got on a plane to Thailand and uh, had a wonderful time. It was all great, and now jet lag's gone, and I'm feeling good. You know, true, true. Yeah. That, that's what I love to hear. This is all leading to the climactic return of In Search of Snacks. Pete, you ate some bugs. I ate some bugs. I had a uh, silkworm and I had a cricket. Which was the best? The cricket was very tasty. Which, by the way, I've already I already asked Pete this stuff and know the answers, but uh, <laughs> this is for everyone else. Um, the cricket was tasty. Cricket was tasty. Silkworm was a little weird. Didn't mm-hmm. love it. Bad aftertaste. But but, um, cricket kind of like protein popcorn. Uh, silkworm protein popcorn cricket. Oh, okay. Like they put this soy sauce kind of spray on it. Oh, so okay. that's really kind of it, you're like what you're getting is kind of crunchy, salty vibe. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it was uh, it was pretty good actually. I would have done more. That at all. all right. My wife yeah. didn't like it at all, but uh, no, she, not, she, on it. she didn't try. She just was bummed on the whole idea of me even trying it. So <laughs> I didn't try to rub it in her face and walk around with like a cup full of bugs. You know what I mean? Hell yeah, I, I I'm with it. I, I appreciate the not rubbing in their face, but also the uh, the trying. So yeah, um, I mean the crickets. It seems like a lot of that stuff, like the big scorpions and all this stuff that you'll see, like a lot of it is just kind of novelty stuff that nobody really eats. But I, the crickets and the silkworms apparently are like like an actual snack that like the locals get down on. So I wanted to eat the real stuff. I'm just glad you did it. It's one of those like, I'm glad you did it. I'm going to be honest. Wouldn't have done it if you hadn't. Now that you have and you reported back positively, there's a part of me that feels like I got to try it. You know, um, for example, I don't like escargot. Okay. But when I was in, where was I? I was in Brussels, I believe. There was a street vendor selling escargot and my, you know, Amanda wanted to have some. It's like, all right when when in rome you know or when in brussels as it was um i did not like it but you know you gotta you gotta try things right you gotta try it and maybe maybe pete 
maybe that's the moral of today's story. You got to try things. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and today, for the listening audience, we tried Rancid, Out Come the Wolves. Yeah, we did. Um, Have you tried this record before? Were you a Rancid a P- guy? A, uh, was I a Rancid guy? The, we'll get there. Um, okay. I own this record when it came out. I, I got it. It was, okay. you know. Um, um, uh, ew, man, there's so much to say. Um, <laughs> why do we choose this record, Pete? Um, I think this was came as, re- as a request, but it was also just kind of a fun one that we had been kicking around for a while. Yes. Yes. I, I think that is exactly right. Um, it's sort of been in the ether. Um, again, a kind of behind the scenes pulling back the curtain. This was in our immediate before recording, like a week ago, our conversation was this and we're the other record we were planning to record about. And we're like, wait, do we do, do we do this one or do we do like the next one or the one that came before? Like, where do we go? Do we do the weird one? Do we do the one that like more people seem to say, no, no, this is the cool one. Or this, which is the the breakout one, the big one. Is that is that fair to say? Yeah. And and it kind of came down to like, no, let's let's just do this one. Got to do the big one. Sometimes you got to do the big one because one of my favorite things that we've been able to do is uh, revisit records that either both of us are familiar with or unfamiliar with, but that had a kind of cultural touchstone. Especially the '90s, we we've kind of done a bunch of the grunge stuff and. Now some of the other things, and um, and I mean, yo, to be honest, we've gone back and done stuff as well as deep cuts. But like, I do want to thank everybody who listens to us. We've we've seen a lot of growth in the last year and a half, and uh, and I think it's really reaffirming that people are willing to tune in to two um, average age forty year old white dudes who were like, <laughs> "Hey, Pink Floyd, pretty good, yeah." <laughs> <laughs> giving you those deep insights but anyways um yeah so rancid outcome the wolves is the record uh, that we wanted to go with today um for someone who might not be initiated can you give a, a brief bio of who is this band um brief bio so rancid are a band from are they from berkeley they're from Oakland, Berkeley, they? Berkeley. Yeah, the Bay. They're from the Bay. They're from the Bay. Okay. So Bay Area Band came up around the same time as Green Day in the mid-90s. Um, started a little earlier. I think Billy Joe Armstrong actually potentially could have been a member of Rancid at one point, but mm. chose to stick with Green Day. So that's a mm. funny what-if story. But um, mm. kind of when you think of like spiky punk these guys totally look the part. Um, whether or not they really sound the part, I guess, is up for debate. Mm-hmm. Or it's just a solid no. Um, yeah. yeah, I think um, I think we can just say no. It's we not, could just say no. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, but they, like... Had the look. Had Leathers the look. and all. Yep. Yeah. Um, but their songs were super catchy. Big band, on the radio a lot. Um, could not escape Time Bomb or Ruby, or Ruby Soho, Soho at the time. Yeah. No. Um, and still playing, I think, with like two of the original members. Yeah. I could be wrong on that, I but think I, right. think, I think they lost uh, the bass player and the drummer 
and maybe someone else, but mm-hmm. still going um, and kind of just like, I don't know, just one of those punk bands that tours every couple of years and sells out big rooms and, and uh, got a lot of people, I think, introduced to punk rock, including myself to an extent. Um, so yeah, how's that? I think it's good. Um, notable uh, Tim Armstrong in this band had done uh, his band prior to this was Operation Ivy. Yes. Um, yep. A very notable ska punk band from Berkeley, Oakland, Bay Area, whatever, um, in the 80s, late 80s. And uh, pretty influential. Um, this is one of the big records that came out in the 90s. Uh, is this 95 or 94? 95. Yeah. 95. Um, and it was big. This is following grunge there's this weird fallow time where it was soft grunge, which is where you get the like soul asylums, gin blossoms, better than Ezra, etc. Um, all varying mileage. And then you get this weird bubble of green day, the offspring and rancid. Yeah. Too. And all of a sudden, it's like, no, no, it's punk, punk music, punk of the 90s. It's here. It's back. Check it out. Um, I was 12 in 94, 13 in 95. Uh, I was not into punk music. Um, and Pete, I owned the Rancid CD. Yeah. And Pete, when I bought that Rancid CD, let me give a little spoiler. <laughs> I did not turn into a punk. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, as, as we often do, uh, I got some big ideas that I want to talk about and some theses, uh, but also we're going to go track by track. <sighs> I have a question for you, Pete. Yeah. Is this a punk record, a ska record, or a ska punk record, or somewhere in the middle of all that or not none of the above it's definitely not a ska record um i don't even know if i'd call it a ska punk record. i think it's more of a punk record than anything but it's like it's punk in the vein of like the clash punk more uh, so may- than maybe right I- i'm gonna put it in this weird 90s uh big production punk um, yeah there's some songs on here that I would call ska or ska like. Sure. And it's one of the more interesting elements of the entire record, if I have to be honest. Um, and we'll get into that on the track by track and talking about what they do. Um, so, yeah, it's not, but it's not ska punk either to me. Like, it's punks, it's punk music. And then there's a few songs that are full on, like, have really traditional moon Scott influence and have that true, like pick it up beat the, like just bouncing skit scat beat. Yeah. Um, and it sort of pulses. And again, uh, being as charitable and favorable as I can to this record. That's my personal highlight are those tracks. Um, Pete, another big thought process and thesis here. What the hell are they singing about on this whole record? <laughs> it's funny. I was gonna actually going to make a point to say, I don't 
like I started reading the lyrics to one of the songs. I was like, mm. I don't care about any of this. Like, nor can I understand any of it. And they're just never, I've always been a lyric guy for the most part. Yeah. This is a band. I, I had the CD when it came out too. I actually saw mm-hmm. them on this tour at the stone pony mm-hmm. with rocket from the crypt who I love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And at the time I had no patience for rocket from the crypt and could not wait for, to see rancid. But, mm-hmm. um, man, I just, it's like these Billy Joel type story songs that I just like don't have any interest in. <laughs> um, it's, it's bus stop, punk rock, Springsteen, uh, but Flintstones vitamin version of Bruce Springsteen <laughs> with so many references to being on specific streets and corners. <laughs> Like it's like everybody knows the one, but then there's like all these other ones there. It's like, you know, uh, down on sixth street. Down I need to pull out the map. I'm geographically inclined and I need to pull out the like paper map to follow this record along. Um, destination unknown, you know? Yeah. Uh, let, let's, let's also come out. Do you like this record? I'm going to say I like this record. I feel like we're going to come out in different places here. I do not like this record. Interesting. I went in thinking I liked it more. Okay. And I hard listens have (laughs) like, like I just (laughs) chills. So I'm so excited to really tear this thing apart. Uh, The lyrics are total gibberish. Um, Yeah. (sighs) What do you think about the production of this record? I mean, it's so slick. It's, uh, the it's, guitar sound is akin to Joe Perry of Aerosmith. For like, sure. Early 90s. Like, it is that level of slick guitar. Um, so They really went for it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, this is... So this all adds up to me asking you the question... As a dude who nascently likes the underground world of music and and punk and hardcore and the such, do you consider this a part of punk canon of the like DIY underground type? Like, should no. this record matter? No. Okay. Good. Okay. Then we can talk about this and have a rational conversation. I, I mean, I think that it's like it was one hundred percent a gateway for a lot of people that ultimately got into that stuff. No um, question. I mean, like, can't deny like, it. Absolutely like, is. Like ninety nine percent of people found Operation Ivy after this, right? One hundred percent. Yep. But uh, you know, listening to this alongside any of that stuff, this is this is more of a major label rock record than it is a punk record. Yes. 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 Thank you. Yes, I, I think that's where I come out, and it leaves. So that's where I also tried to to shelve some of that, like shelve some of the like. Man, I like punk and hardcore music. Oh, how can I feel with this? I tried to shelve a lot of that. But I will say that some of the conversation around Rancid places them at a place that isn't that because, like, yo, like, full transparency, a couple of these fellas are true, like, into it punk rockers. Like, been into the underground scene, stay into the underground scene, have done other bands that are into this, really loved it. The rancid moment is this moment where they just got the opportunity to go and like go for it, and they did. Um, and they didn't betray who they were as people and what they did on on their own levels. But this band, this this record, I'm like, I mean, 
it makes 90s bad religion seem pretty punk you know like <laughs> just gonna put it there um did you so so you had this record when it came out yes did and you have the other rancid records no 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 because i wasn't in a punk I, I i liked this record and i was you know i liked green day more by okay. a lot because when i listened to this record i felt apart from it and um I forgot that. I forgot how that felt because I, I could, to me, like, let's be clear, this was in the mix along with my Woodstock 94 CD, yeah. Pearl Jam 10, Stone Temple Pilots, like, For sure. all this stuff. Uh, and then, you know, you know, I had a Green Day CD. Yeah, this, this is my pre-punk phase. But I remember hearing some of these songs and being like, wait, is this what punk music is? Because I don't, it doesn't feel like he's saying anything. Like it didn't feel <laughs> lyrically. It was more in line with you said it. Storyteller, big rock things. You know. Um, shout out to a buddy Andrew who's like, yeah, it's more like Bruce Springsteen than punk music. Yeah. <laughs> um, and and the song that really puts me in a place is Roots Radical, which, if I'm being honest, is like. A catchy catchy song you know like you can get in your head yeah but i can't say i like it um <laughs> and and I, I'm, we'll get into it on the track by track but i really was kind of hoping that i found some cor- corners of nuance on this record that i was unaware of or forgot because in my head i had more of a warm feeling towards it um, in prepping for this, I also reviewed some of the other Rancid records that I'm more familiar with now. I, I know Let's Go pretty good. Okay. Uh, I guess I'd put it in the similar space as this, but maybe a little better. Um, and then I was listening to the Rancid self-titled record from 2000, which is noted as like, oh, this is the hard Rancid record. This is where they were like punk punk, you know? Yeah. Definitely faster at parts and definitely a little more edge to the guitar. Yeah, certainly to this record. This record, the guitar is just like so big room rock; it's insane. Um, but but I think people mistake the fact that the first two songs on the Rancid 2000 record are a little edgy, and then you get to the third song, and you're like, oh, okay, this is back to the like, yeah, mid tempo, bouncy kind of, you know, doodly do. I remember that being like everyone was psyched on that as because it was kind of a return to form, like life. Life won't wait. I think the fourth one. Yes, I think the they like went to Jamaica okay. and yeah. they like it was like very kind of ska influenced and kind of reggae influenced, um, and they kind of slowed it down a bit, and then everyone was psyched that there was like this return to form. I remember that record being fine, and I listened to it maybe a few years ago, and I was like, yeah, it's fine. Yeah, but like, yeah, I, yeah. Go in. I, I had uh, I had let's go, and I had like the first self title, the first Rance record. Um, when I was a kid and it was, I was, I was thinking about this. I feel like the in search of tracks, the ultimate criticism of like this record is too long. It's been in my soul. It's been in my soul forever, dude, because like, I remember I re-listened to this. I felt the same way. And then I remember thinking back, I was like, man, I remember listening to let's go. And all I could think is like, why are there 25 songs on this record? It's way too long. And I was like 10, you know? Yo, um, they are like chronic, chronically long records. Yeah. Um, over and over. Like this record is a 
So that it's a 49-minute long record. It is relatively... Now, the songs aren't necessarily too long. There's They're very few short, songs where, yeah. I'm like, where I'm like, no, there's very few songs where I'm like, man, they really should have taken this part out or blah, blah, blah. Um, but I will say, like, let's go through this really quick. They're total victims of the CD era. So uh, let's start at the 93 self-titled, which you referenced. This record is a 16-song, 34-minute record. All right. Like, okay, I'm not mad at that. That's pretty good. Let's go. 23 songs, 44 minutes. Whoa. So part (laughs) of me feels like that's Epitaph being like, yeah, we need a. It needs to be a full length. People want that music, right? And now come the wolves. Nineteen songs, forty nine minutes. Yeah. What are we doing? What are we doing? Life won't wait. Are you ready for this one? I'm ready. There's a long one. Twenty two songs, sixty four minutes, Pete. Too long, man. Sixty four minutes. Now, they should know better. Now here's they get to Rancid. This is the 2000 record that everybody's like, oh, return form. Oh, yeah. 22 songs, 38 minutes. What are we doing, Rancid? Why are your <laughs> records so long? I get it. Long record. I think this is just the victims of of um, of the CDH, and they were kind of like. <sighs> let, let me also be clear. Like this record, <laughs> like. And out come the wolves. Let's see what the s- sales are on this. It sold a lot, a lot of records. Yeah, for sure. Um, let's see this. It is. I gotta find this. Certified platinum. Uh, five months after its release, the album was certified gold. In two thousand four, it was certified platinum. So this has sold approximately a metric ton of records. Yeah. You know, so it's it's it's. Uh, amazing so it sold millions and this is the cd era so everybody was feeling it um i I, Um, i don't really even know where to start other than like in my heart i have a warmer feeling towards rancid than i felt as i listened to this record and um it sort of brings up this weird confusion that I think comes in a place where people are like, what do you mean, man? Rancid rocks. They're fucking, yeah, man, they're cool. And I'm excited that people love them and I'm glad they do, especially in the punk world. And I love them as a gateway band for people, but I, I also don't, it's almost not fair to, uh, it's not fair to hold them to the critiques that you would a punk band. So then you have to almost assess them as a big major label-ish band. Yeah. But they don't f- carry themselves like that. And so it's this... They're sort of stuck in the middle for me where I want to give them benefit of the doubt, but then I don't want to. And uh, I mean, can um, you say the same about a lot of these bands, though? Like, can you say the same about The Offspring and Green Day? And So there's the, two, there's the split fork, I think. Yeah. The offspring feel like true, like, like, hey, we're gonna use, we're gonna apply punk aesthetic and like sonic tropes 
to a band who wants to play stadiums. Yeah. And Green Day feels like, hey, we're going to play nascently punk music, but apply major label strategy once they're at a certain point. You know, like, and, and, you know, please take this. I, I'm speaking of, um, a pre warning era Green Day, maybe even pre the record before that. Um, Insomniac. Uh, no warning. No, Insomniac. Warning. I can keep, but oh, because uh, Insomniac, yeah, Nimrod, Insomniac, right? It's, it's then, then warning, then American Idiot. Once yeah. I get there, I'm a little lost, but, but I think they kind of flipped it, the, it and, it was like, oh, we have all these major opportunities, okay, but we're still kind of playing punk music. Somehow, Rance is in between those, yeah, um, and it's it's a weird thing to look at. And I think all three of those, um, like, when's the last time you revisited the Offspring Smash record? I haven't for years, but last time I I liked that record too as a kid. Same, and man, did that not hold up for me. Um, I don't, I haven't revisited to be really honest. Um, and now I'm curious after listening to this, if I would like it as much or the same as this record. Now flip it. Green Day Dookie. When's the last time you listened to that? More recent. And that one holds up for me. Um, I like that one. Even though there was probably a time where I would have distanced or disowned it. Oh, sure. It is. I think it's like. It's cool. It's good. I, I, it's catchy. It does a lot of the same. It does a lot of things that land in a way that I think Rancid doesn't totally land with this record. Um, mm-hmm. But <sighs> let's. Um, any other big thoughts about this record in general? Um, oh, oh, let me give this, Pete. I'm going to elevate elevator pitch this record to you. Okay. Uh, this is oh rancid outcome the wolves, um, big room production, skim milk, social distortion meets bad religion, <laughs> punk with a East Bay accent. Yeah, I'm not that interested when you put it that way. But can you call anything that I said fiction? No. No, it's pretty good, actually. Yeah, and I don't... like The one piece I want to take away from this, too, is say, if you really like Rancid and you haven't given Social Distortion the time of day because you're not rating your grandfather's music collection, give it a a whirl. Um, Even the weird Mike Ness solo record. like If you dig this stuff, you should absolutely hear the first five Bad Religion LPs Oh you yeah, need, you you must hear Operation Ivy and probably have if you like Rancid, and you must give Social Distortion a chance. Um, because I mean that's like that's like a lot the of easy right transition. There. Yeah, for yeah, sure. right. I mean, and I I I more or less think that's how it worked for me, where it was like Rancid to you know No Effects Pennywise that world to like you know I don't even know where I went from there, but like. Black I mean, flag is not that many steps away from that. No, you know, like and I mean, I, I I might throw in the early couple AFI records in there. Sure, this yeah, too, and that's getting you in a couple different directions too. Yeah. So, um, my I threat. Felt, I mean, the cover to this album is apparently an homage to 
Minus which is rent, cool, so. which is maybe yeah. one of the coolest things about it to me. Um, I actually really like the cover of this record. I think it is one of the most striking uh, album visuals of the 90s, and, and it really still holds up. You know, um, It's funny because when you know the homage, all of a sudden it's like, oh, okay. It's, it's like pretty direct. But if you believe homage and that kind of stuff, tribute and looking back is, is a part of especially punk music, which I do, uh, I appreciate it even more. So um, can you also explain to somebody who maybe either wasn't there or who wasn't paying attention how present Rancid was in mainstream rock radio and like MTV? I mean, they were like, it was so big. It was unavoidable big. It was, it was big like your cousin that has no interest <laughs> in, in, you know, any sort of punk rock music or hardcore music or anything is all about rancid. Um, I don't know. Everyone was into it. It was a big thing. Yeah. No question. Went no to question. a preppy high school. Lots of kids were into rancid. Oh, I mean, so yeah, like if you're in, I was not in high school till 96, same, you were a year or two later and, um, middle school, I, mean, I should say middle school, but yeah, yeah I mean, everyone middle was schools and high schools, but middle schools, especially were brimming with recent rancid converts who were awkwardly gelling their hair into spikes um, <laughs> and not really knowing what they were doing. Some pretty bad manic panic dye jobs, etc. So yeah. um, uh, relive the soundtrack to that if you'd like. <laughs> um, would you like to go track by track or did we gloss over anything else? I think we're good. Let's go track by track. <laughs> we spent enough time. This is this is turning into rancid length. Uh, oh shit! 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 All right, let's go fast. Style podcast. Uh, the first track, Maxwell Murder. It's bad. I don't even understand what's going on. <laughs> I like this song. I think it's okay. off really strong. All right. It's, I mean, it's, dude, tempo-wise, this is better. Tempo-wise, this is one of my favorite. It moves a little bit, whereas when we get to about halfway through this record, I almost disconnect my brain. I'm like, what's going on? Because it just meanders through a mid-tempo. This song pushes a little bit the same better. way. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I think that this record kicks off much stronger um it it gets a little weak towards the middle and towards the end but i I would i will i want to hook those dudes up to lie detectors and say the last 10 songs on this record you just recorded those because the label made you you needed to hit a length you know what i mean yeah so um i think this song's really good i the production is so slick and that hits you in the face right as right at the start and then there's that crazy bass solo which is sick but it's like such a big room rock thing like even kind of uh what is it tim armstrong's commentary like oh yeah you know like in the background it's like yes it's like what the (laughs) fuck is this guys you know um it takes me out man yeah i mean it kind of takes me out too but i i think the hook like these these guys can write a fucking hook i think and even the throwaway songs have a hook that might get stuck in your head and i think they're they're really good at doing that 
but like the quality of that hook varies depending on the song. I think this is a really strong start to the record. Uh, the best thing I can say is I, I do. I think it pushes the pace a little, and it it does get you right uh, ready for it right away. So yeah. that's that's a positive. Um, the eleventh hour. The eleventh hour. I like this song. Um, slows it down a little bit. Keeps the energy up. Um, again, the production takes me out of it a little bit. There's like a like the tambo hit on every snare hit is just like it's just not a punk. I don't. I hate to say it's not a punk thing, but it's just like very obviously not a thing that would be happening on mm. a punk record as opposed to a rock and roll album. Yeah, um, it, 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 it's it's a rock song. Um, again, it doesn't um, it doesn't break me. Um, I don't get broken on this record till later. It's got this vague lyrical referencing, like vague like where the power lies kind of energy to it. Um, <laughs> and I'm okay with it, but um, I feel weird when it teases that, but then doesn't deliver anything else like that right. on this record, you know, and it being kind of a big room record or song, you know? So, yeah. See, I mean, for me, I, they could be singing. The words are so irrelevant here. Well, that's right. So that I'm just like, is there a hook? And like on this song, it's like, yes, that's definitely a hook. So, but I feel what you're saying for sure. So that's the thing is if we go mouth in, mouth sounds as instruments, yeah. sometimes it hits here and sometimes it's out. I also feel like there's major label production on the vocals. Oh yeah. On headphones. Listen, the vocals are on top of and not inter intermingled with the music. And this dude's vocals are designed for interplay with the music. Like that's the way he's writing his lyrics. One thousand percent. This dude, this isn't like he he might have written lyrics before, but he's fitting the enunciation in and pronunciation and pacing to the music. It's one of the more admirable qualities of this, but uh, it also detaches. And when you even that millimeter of sound space between those things pulls me out a bit on it. So, all right, let's, let's talk about the third song, the song that blows my brain. <laughs> Is this for Bob breaks? It doesn't dude, break me totally. Roots radical. It's a, it's actually catchy. It's catchy. Are you familiar with dude, the bass riff on this? Is sick. Um, I think the bass yeah. riff is so catchy on this. I mean, Matt are Freeman you, is great. Are you familiar with, well, it, it's, it's, a lot of people, but Dionne Warwick's song, That's What Friends Are For. Yeah. That's what friends are for. Um, a friend referenced that as possibly the corniest song in music history. <laughs> but but also, then we were discussing that maybe it's the corniest song in human history that everyone kind of likes a little bit, at least. Oh, sure. Like, some really big vocal hit. Um, it's smooth as silk, man. <laughs> this is the punk equivalent of that's what friends are for. <laughs> like, I think it's cornier. Like, this is the song that made me go, oh, I guess I'm not a punk. Like, uh, all the punk rockers, rockers and the Moonstoppers are out on the corners. Corners, here we are again. <laughs> like, if you didn't hang out, on, like, Pete, we've hung out on corners, but I didn't think that made me a punk. Um, they're sparing for change. Like, oh, my God. Um. Yeah, uh, corners, parking lots, all those places. All right, Tim Armstrong is was thirty years old when he wrote this song, when this record came out. 
And you're still hanging out on corners. And talking about being 15. Um, it's a, it's a, it's like a, two style. It's <sighs> a lot of band style. It's yeah. an earworm. <laughs> yeah. It's a catchy um, song. So musically, I like the song. Dude, it's a pop song. I mean, like, it's a, it's, it's a pop song that takes these, like, it's straight like cultural appropriation of of moon ska almost like <laughs> like just taking this beat but they they do it well the back the the gang vocal kind of stuff works well for the track um again mouth noise mouth sounds uh work really well for this one <laughs> um good mouth know, sounds vo- on this song mouth sounds as vocal instrument are good um but the lyrical content is just uh, uh, not not my cup of tea, and it, it it because it belies this like, yeah, man, the punks, yeah, we're punks. You wouldn't understand, and I'm like, understand what? What the f- are you talking about? Yeah, like, <laughs> what in the world do you think this is? As like Joe Perry plays guitar in the studio for you, what are we talking about? Um, <laughs> yeah. This song is a uh, is one of their most popular songs too, right? Like, this yeah. is a anytime you see Rancid, they're playing this track for sure. So, um, uh, I've got some play was I, I think one of the singles, but not a lead single. Yeah, not like so, this. Now uh, the next one, though, ooh, time Big song. So this one has more of the ska feel than any of the songs on the record so far. Um, I mean, it's a fun song. It's like fun for all ages. I don't know. This is one that I could just never hear again in my life. Um, uh, same, but I like it. it. It's yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, like it's, Tom Bond. It's not bad. Um, yeah, it is complete irreverence in a song. I like the beat. I like the. I like the sound on it. Um, so so when they get more into the this group of songs, there's certainly some ska feel to it, um, but there's almost no horns. Um, I don't think there's any horns on this record. Um, no, I don't think so. There's the Hammond organ, which I think is used pretty thoroughly on a few of these tracks. Yeah. That, and then they do some guitar lead and solo stuff that essentially fills the place of some horn work that would be done on like a traditional ska song. And I appreciate it. I actually like it. And I think it's kind of cool. So um, this is a cool song. It's just a radio song in my brain. Yeah. And uh, it's fine. This is where I'm like, pop song. Good pop song. Correct. Cool. Yes, correct. Yeah. Um, let's go back to talking about Corners and Streets. Olympia, Washington. Dude, I actually love this song. I think it's great. It's one of okay. my favorites on the record. I, I just, I really like the guitar riff. It's one of those songs too, that like 
kind of just brings me right back to being like 12. How much is nostalgia? Uh, probably most of it. Yeah. Um, and that, that's, a, that's a tough thing. On this record, and actually the other record we're recording tonight. tonight um, I know, I know. It, this one, so this, I, I will say this. The hanging on the corner Yo, that's, of 50 seconds that's, that's the thing where I was listening to this. I was like, like his vocals are insane, but particularly yes. insane on this song. Yes. I was thinking to myself, I was like, dude, if I was in the studio recording with someone and like my friend went in to record the vocals and started being like, bah, bah, uh, <laughs> I would be like, yo, what the fuck? What are you doing? Like, I, I just want to say this is the, <laughs> this is the, what would Bruce Springsteen do? Like, this is, this is an old man, Bruce Springsteen. Like, Hey Bruce, we want you to sing like a punk. <laughs> like, wait, what? Like, yeah. um, but also you need to be raspy and here throw these cotton swabs in your mouth like um and i don't want to begrudge the guy i I wish i could sing as well as tim armstrong uh but i mean he made it work for him you know he certainly did um i also can't deny like this dude made lines like that hooks that'll get in your ear whether you like it or not um uh, this song's fine i'm not offended by it uh, there's some of it that is certainly like a nostalgia play, and I dare people to do this with clean ears. And if you're somebody who doesn't have the nostalgia, oh my goodness, I think this is some of this is really like at this point in the record, you might be scratching your <laughs> eyes out, like just thinking about it. So, okay. Why Olympia? Long- do you know? I-, I was thinking about that too. Um, did did fella was he originally from there? Yeah, I maybe. thought for a second I was like, wait, is this kind of like a um No, he's originally from Albany, California. Yeah. Um I was wondering if this was like some sort of veiled reference to the Olympia Washington music scene. Yeah, he wants to go see beat happening. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> maybe he was full on into like the Ryan Girl stuff, like uh at that point, you know, who knows? We can't, yeah. we can't confirm or deny. He was um, he was sad that he was writing big rock records instead of being on K records or something. That's right. Yeah, he's like, Man, I I, I know I'm I know I'm playing stadiums, but <laughs> if I could just open for Bratmobile, like, <laughs> right. let's go. Um Okay. Uh lock stop step and gone. Um so this is where the record starts kind of breaking down for me. Um, mm. It's this is like this song is really clash to me. Um, <sighs> yes, there's a couple. So th- there's a couple of those elements, um, and and like uh, like first album clash kind of stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, I wish I could say anything warm about this one. Yeah. I mean, right. my 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 thing, and I'm just gonna come back to this, so I'm just gonna say it now and not repeat myself. But it's like, I think that there are probably six really really strong songs on this album, and everything else just kind of, it's it's, they all have hooks, and none of them are really offensive to me, but and they're short enough where I'm just like, all right, that's fine. Keep it, keep it moving. Cause they do keep it moving. So this is another one where it just kind of passes me by. I don't particularly like it. I don't particularly dislike it. It's just like, it is what it is. Um, yes. And I'm not out yet. Like if you, 
if you condense this record to a nine song record and it was just the first nine songs on this record, maybe place one of the songs off the other 10 in here. Um, maybe I could be like, okay, okay. It breezes by. It's only, I mean, if you make this a 10 song record, it's probably clocking in around 25 minutes, maybe 30, but yeah. it's, it's a lot. And it's much smaller. better. Yeah. Yeah. But you just, and, and this is the kind of thing where I listen to it. Like I listen to it like four or five times since we talked about doing it. And like that means twice in the last 24 hours or so. And it's, uh, wearing um, Junkie Man Solid song. I like the bridge and chorus. The bridge is the bridge is notable. Uh, I I think I'm lost on it. And again, I just lyrics on this one feel like total nonsense. Total, total nonsense. And and it's just like if you start paying attention to the words, you will be just like like all right, the next song, which we should move to, listed MIA, I think is actually almost coherent but then you're like wait but what is he talking about it's basically nothing (laughs) and it's like uh, about a guy who's down on his luck and maybe is rehabbing or whatever and like but it's so vague in its vagaries like there's so so lyrically or in writing there's areas where you should be vague and then areas where you should allude to something. And sometimes you want to get pointed and really point at the thing. And then maybe you're kind of being allegorical or you want to use some phrasing and kind of like nudge at something without saying it. He just is vague. It's all vague and it doesn't like, all right, let's do this listed. Am I, um, uh, all right, God damn it, man. I almost had it stuck in the sewers beneath all the maggots. I ain't fooling. I've been pursuing a way to get out of these dirty old ruins. Okay. I'm checking out. I'm never coming back again. I'm checking out. I'm listed MIA. God damn it, man. I almost had it. Threw me out the door. Then they called me. If I ain't done, I've only yet begun. West Oakland is the place where I'm from. Like, what What are we, what are we talking about? <laughs> I'm checking out. I'm never coming back again. I'm checking out. I'm listed MIA. So it's like, okay. West Oakland is the place where I'm coming from, but I'm checking out. I'm never coming back again. Okay. God damn it, man. I almost had it. Well, I did it again. Yeah, I do it out of habit. Well, I'm numb. It ain't no fun. I'm less than zero. So here I'm like, okay, are you talking about drug use? Okay. When you add up the sum, I'm checking out. Yeah, it ain't no dumb doubt. Yeah. A courtship built from anger is what it amounts. Wait a second. We're talking about like a relationship courtship built from anger. I almost had it. I almost had it. It came so close. Man, I almost had it. I'm checking out. I'm never coming back again. Blah, blah, blah. What? 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 Where, where do we go? Like, I, I just... And Pete, you you know 
I can go full mouth sound on a lot of records. Oh, yeah. So I'm trying not to be unfair, but I am giving this like, like Third Eye Blind has a deeper lyrical content well than this. <laughs> that bums me out. Like, what are we talking about? Operation Ivy certainly did, which is oh, funny. No, that yes, they came correct. That, Operation you know? Ivy, like, like there's the bar we should say. Operation Ivy, uh, a a band who was a band I really liked when I was young, young man, and like a kid, uh, haven't sat with, but like in my head, the esteem is still there. And lyrically, at least it's doing something. This feels like the dude from Operation Ivy who's like, yeah, you're supposed to write a big rock record that's going to break. And it's like, oh, shit, how do I do that? I can't really <laughs> sing about like unity because that's not what plays to like a stadium audience, right? Right. So um, let's talk about Ruby Soho. Big song. Rubber, 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 Soho. So I guess this is the third single. So Roots Radical was the first single. Isn't that wild? Oh, wow. Yeah, so um, Ruby Soho. That didn't uh, work. No, no. Well, not um, like these songs. Not like these songs. This song, uh, this is a big song. Big song. Uh, oh. Like number one uh, music video for months and months style, like played on MTV, played on radio constantly, like just constant. Um. I still find it catchy in the '90s rock radio way, but also I, I, yep, I never ever need to hear it again. Yeah, yeah, I feel the same way about this one that I do. Time bomb. I I like it, but I'm good on it. I heard it ten billion times in the '90s yeah. and since. Theoretically, what's this song about? Uh, God, I don't even know the lyrics. I, at all it's like a love song it, it sounds like they're going somewhere <laughs> it's a tra- it's a travel story song i'm leaving it there I, i'm better with that than the, as the truth all right let's let's blow my brains out with this one <laughs> he was an artist and a writer this is one of the worst poet. yeah I'm out. I'm out. I'm out. I love geography. <laughs> I like specific references to locations. This is not punk music. I don't know what to do, and I'm dying listening to it. Um, uh, it's just... I'm so happy these dudes succeeded so well when they did. Like It's, it's a really cool thing that this record did well. I have no idea no idea other than the fact that the music's catchy um but by this point yes i think there might be one other song on this record that's like memorable in any sort of way 
Um, but again, let me pull back. This plays differently when you're a 13 year old, which For is sure. how old I was when this record came out. Yeah, exactly. And I didn't love it or anything, but at least these kind of things like, and I think that was the audience for it, right? So here I am, a 40-something-year-old, looking at this record and like being like, I don't relate to this. And Batman smacks me and says, you're not supposed to. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, that's that's the feeling. Um, yeah. Uh, Daily City Train, which is this track. Um, I don't know about this dope head shooting dope in the men's room at the station in Daily City Train, but um, apparently he was an artist and a writer and a poet and Pete a friend <laughs> uh, eject me out the moon <laughs> door bro like what are we doing all right let's go to the next song journey to the end of the East Bay you carry us on this one it's um, about a bus it's about a fucking bus <laughs> it's about a bus <laughs> they're riding a <laughs> they're on a bus <laughs> they just this whole record is basically I'm just on a bus. <laughs> this whole record it's just <laughs> oh shit uh, no this song is actually Yo, I Bob, think about Op Ivy <laughs> you, you and I should just take the bus to each other's houses and just and write to the end to it. the end journey to the end <laughs> of the bus we're on a bus yeah yeah, it's like a kindergarten sing-along. Mm. Um, oh, man. Awesome. Um, oh, God. I, I wrote, song is catchy, I don't care anymore. It's like, because <laughs> they, they, they write they write hooks. I mean, that's like what they so, do, and they, and they do it well. But like, it's like you said about 13-year-olds. It's like, yeah, I heard this. I was like, oh, yeah, like good energy, catchy. Yeah. When right. I was a kid, to the it end, all worked. To the end. Yeah. You're like, to the, I'm like, let's yeah. Let's get on the bus. Um, I don't know where we're going, but let's go. Yeah. So, so this is for the the uh, deep cut hardcore fans out there listening. This is the equivalent of um, the Shelter song uh, "Letter to a Friend," um, mm. which was, depending on who you ask, was either addressed to Matt from Bold, which I think maybe makes more sense, or Jules from Side by Side. I don't know about that either, but it's essentially a. a, a a narrative song written like a letter to a long lost friend who had left their niche music scene. Um, this is kind of Tim Armstrong's song about Op I- Ivy, like with lyrics that it's like started in 87, aided it in 89. You got in a garage or an amp will play anytime. It was just the four of us. Yeah, man, the core of us too much attention unavoidably destroyed us. Four kids on tour, 3,000 miles in a four-door car, not knowing what was going on. We just want to get back on the bus. No, I just made up that last line, but it sounds right anyways. <laughs> um, yeah, we're back on the fucking bus. Uh, journey to the end. She's automatic, so automatic. This song also makes no sense. <laughs> I like this one, though. Yeah, this is the song I would throw into the let's make this a 10-song record. For sure. Um Catchy. It's sort of Punchy. like a like Wait. is this a Bonin song? Like uh she was she would a, she asked me if I would stand her side like glue that I would till the end of the night. She's automatic, so automatic. The way that she moves, the way that she moves. This is a little bit like a like um a Cisco song, right? 
Yeah, like, yeah. It's not yeah. quite a it's thong the song, but version of the thong song. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So, all right, we're with it. Uh, two thumbs up. Rancid thong song. <laughs> all right, old friend. Um, I like this one too. Actually, I'm. This is on my keeper list. Um, I think Look it's up, you're in Cleveland again. Are they traveling on this song? See, yeah, I don't they're even in know. Cleveland. Some in America in the city at night. Yeah, there's a whole lot. They're on their way from New York to Olympia by way of Cleveland. So much, so much geography, and I still don't love it. Um, yep. Okay, that's old friend. Disorder and disarray. Uh, now crucify, crucify me. Yeah. Um, there's like a quieter part on this song that I kind of like, but I don't really care. Yeah, this in the uh, this I'm totally disconnected from the record at this point. But there's a couple parts on this song that connect a little bit. Um, yeah, yeah, it's it's all right. Um, next track, the war's end. The war's end. Throw it in the trash. Not a good song. It's fine. It's just like it's par for the course. Kind of rancid. Literally, literally away. writing it in the studio. Yeah, like again, storyteller started. Little Sammy was a punk rocker. How many punks <laughs> by name are named on this record? Jesus Christ. Um, you don't care nothing. If you happen to be in the studio with Rancid at the time, they put you in the record. Oh, Jenny DeMilo. This, that's the song. Yeah, no. This, uh, <laughs> uh, I love how strongly you feel about this. I wasn't expecting I, this. I, I, I love it. so much. I tried. I gave it several charitable listens. So let me pause real quick. Uh, the, the, the tracks, because we got to gotta pause. There was a part where I was like, wait, is this actually a ska record disguised as a punk record? And I was like, no, because most of these songs don't even have the ska thing going. <clears throat> like the fake ska, like the ska, like the yeah. ska beat, you know? Because I would have been like, yo, there's an argument that this record played a big role in the weird ska revival. And I don't think that ever gets cited. And I think it did. Sure. Um, it, because... Um, Time Bomb has some of those elements for sure, you know, like Roots Radical clearly um, and that's 94 into 95. I think the like big ska thing doesn't kick till right then, 95, you get some of these bands getting big, but Rancid was tapping into a more uh, pardon the word, root version of the music and I think it did influence people and allow people to like open up and be like, what's this about? Which is cool, which is really cool. So, um, but I couldn't get there because this is one of those things where it's like, do you like um, a meal if the, okay, you go to a Mexican restaurant, you order um, fajitas, right? Mm-hmm. You don't like the, the chicken, you don't like the protein, you don't like the chicken, you don't like the peppers, the rice is like half cooked, the tortillas are, are trash, but the beans are awesome. Does that mean you like the fajitas? No. No. It just means the beans were good. Yeah. It means everything else is kind of like, yeah. And that's kind of where I fall on this record because there's a lot of baggage on it. And I have a feeling there was truly, and I don't say that I have no insight. This is just the speculation of listeners. The second half of this record really feels like we got to hit this. We have to hit 48 minutes. That's what they want. So here you go. You know, like, yeah. And that's just like, that's not a good recipe. And I, I, maybe I'm wrong. And maybe these were all necessary songs. But as a listener, 
I don't believe so. Um, as wicked. Um, it just feels tired. I'm tired. Super tired. Um, again, starts out with strong chorus storyteller stuff. Yeah. I saw an old man. We there's so much storyteller He's on the bus. stuff. Yes, correct. Um, avenues and alleyways. Uh, oi, oi, oi! Song. Um, I actually like this one a lot. I think they yeah, they, this they, is, kinda, this, they step it up for like the last gasp here almost. Yeah, this was this was a better song. This song I, I enjoyed in a way that like um, I enjoy the "Oi to the World" song, the Christmas song. Like <laughs> it's kind of that energy. It's a cool song. Um, uh, I do like the line "Pit dogs against cats." Now who is responsible? It's like, hmm. Yeah. Um, and the closer, the way I feel. solid but it's it's a weak closer yeah that's fine all right and it just uh, like it just kind of ends like it that's where i mean we'll get into it on the on the ratings but like this really for the most part feels like a collection of songs like i don't know how much thought went into what song goes after which or the order overall um i yeah i i just think there's probably from you could include the first two tracks, but the 11th hours detaches me a bit from Maxwell murder. But basically if you take tracks three to nine, I think that's your, um, that's your six pack of ribs or six pack of abs hiding underneath a gushy jiggly belly, which is the rest (laughs) of the record. Um, so, uh, that's, that's just the way I feel. Um, P you want to give it some arbitrary ratings? Let's do it. So, anybody who has listened in the past, we give it a rating. We break down by these categories. I have recently been informed, Pete, that there's people who rate along with us, and I love that. Oh, I love that. Yo, send us those ratings. Yes, yes, yes. Maybe we make a blank template that people can fill out and do their own um, because it is straight up awesome. And if somebody gives us their ratings, uh, we'll repost that. We'll share that. It's it's just cool. Um, So, uh, let's start. Holistic quality. Is this a good record, just generally and broadly speaking, uh, give it out of 20? I think it is, but it's. Uh, I have a little bit of a hard time with it, so I kind of went in the middle. I gave it a 12. I gave it a 10 because there are redeeming elements, as much as I'm like blown away by a lot of it. Uh, some undeniably catchy hooks, even if they can come across cheap. So Yeah. Um, highs, how high, how good are the best parts of this record? I think a lot of it's nostalgia for me, but it gets yep. pretty high. Uh, I gave it an eight. Wow. I, I gave it a six because, uh, these listens beat the nostalgia out of me. <laughs> uh, six, um, lows, 
how bad are the worst parts of this record? How low does it get? Um, how low can a punk get? Three out of ten. Um, I none of these songs isolated, other than maybe Daily City Train, are something that will make me like punch the stereo. Daily City Train might, but everything else, um, <laughs> if it's just a one song listen, it's like it moves quickly enough and there might be something interesting and the the fellow's voice is inter- Tim's voice is interesting enough to listen to so uh it's a it's a 3 cool i went with a 4 okay uh competency and peer review um i gave it a 5 out of 10 i think you can only compare it so i compared it to its contemporaries in the MTV punk world being Green Day and the Offspring found it somewhere in the middle. I compared it to label brethren like Bad Religion. Uh, find Bad Religion more appealing, uh, especially their highest highs. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I, I you know certainly competent, certainly well played, but nothing musically that's really shown other than a couple hooks in, here and there uh, of a and making something pretty simple music that sings with a flair for drama. So I want to give it credit for that. That's the punk version that social distortion and both bad religion really key into is just these flair for dramatic song tactics that, that work, you know, like take away this ball and chain. And then it drops into the music. There's, if that song was written by 10 other bands, eight of them do it in a way that makes that, not nearly as interesting as social distortion did. So uh, Rancid's got the uh, it factor on that. Yeah. I, I just think they're so good at writing a pop song and like a hook. Um, mm-hmm. And that's kind of what I was thinking about with their peers. It was, it was more mm-hmm. so just like guitar music of the time, not so much like the punk adjacent world. Sure. Um, so I give it a seven. Okay. Do, are they better at writing a pop song than green day? Uh, I think it's close. Ooh, come on. I like Green Day more, but I think it's close. I, I think Rancid can write a fucking hook, man. I think so too, but hang on one second. Hang on one second. Let me tell me if is any hook on this better than the hook and basket case? I mean, basket case is like the hook. Though. I know. I know. How about long view? How about welcome, uh, welcome to Paradise Hook. I'm I'm thinking more when I come around and Basket Case. Those are like. What about she? Dude, I'm not saying Green Day she. don't have hooks. Mm-hmm. What about the um? What's the their soundtrack song? Green Day soundtrack song. Oh, uh, what's the, the movie? one that was on Angus? Angus, yeah, uh, Jar. Yeah, track. that's a good song. Fucking track, dude. Yeah, that's, that's for the real. hard part. So okay, you're fine. You gave him a seven. Little high, sorry. Um, drag <laughs> factor. How does this record drag, Pete? This record drags, but I felt like I was being generous. Four out of ten. I gave it a five. Okay, flow out of ten. Um, I don't know how much thought was put into it. It is a collection of songs, but there's a certain sameness that could be argued that a lot of it fits together because if you put a square next to a square. You could yeah. say, look, they fit together. Six out of ten. I feel you. I give it a five. 
aesthetic, how the record looks, the overall energy and, and like visuals of it. Eight out of ten. I think the record looks cool. All right. I, I like the homage. I like it too. I gave it a seven. Impact and influence out of ten. <sighs> I'm giving it a seven, but I could be talked into the fact that it should be more. I gave it a nine for impact and influence. I think this got a lot of people into the punk adjacent world and I just think a did, lot of people. I think it did that more than even Green Day and Offspring, so I'm bumping it to an eight. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, and the intangible. Uh, Pete, I'm giving it a six because there is still a part of me that feels more warmly to Rancid than any sort of like haterishness, and they do write hooks. I gave it a seven for the same reasons and because they impacted me personally. So, hey. Mm. Impacted me personally. Let me know I'd never be a punk like them. Uh, <laughs> I came out at 56 and that feels about right after these lessons. In my heart, I was closer to somewhere in the mid-60s. Okay. Yeah, I'm at a 64 and that feels fine at this point in my life. Pete, do you own this record? I do, actually. Um, so I you don't it. need to add it. I don't know. I don't need to add it. Do you still have the CD, Bob? <laughs> I don't. I don't. And I'm trying to. Pete, this was a CD that got purged when I got into punk and hardcore music. Oh, sure. That makes sense. Like, it's just like, oh, I don't really need this. Uh, you know, um, and, and also because I think I could get like $2 for it. So, or like whatever, <laughs> maybe a buck, who knows? Do you remember you when you CDs? You could buy a seven inch for that at that point. <laughs> exactly right. Do you remember when you could get a dollar or $2 for a UCD? Cause stores would sell them for like 10. Oh yeah. Um, it, it's amazing. God bless the, God bless the nineties. Um, <laughs> listen to this record for yourself. Debunk it, sit with it. Uh, think about it more than you should or have in the past 20 years. And, if you want to murder us, if you love an answer, we'll hear that soon. See you next week. Right. Just try it's time.